while I was there, I had the opportunity um, to speak on a number of occasions and found myself drawn to uh, the book of Colossians. And so I want to begin there this morning in Colossians chapter 1. And this is going to be a theme throughout our morning, not only here in Bodybuilders, but then in the morning service as well, as we prepare ourselves to come before the Lord and the Lord's table, participate together. Um, the feedback is coming back again, Matt. I'm not sure what's happening, but it kind of goes, woo. Are you guys hearing it or am it just me? Okay, it must just be these things coming out. I don't know. Colossians chapter 1, and I'm just going to read to you verses 3 through 20. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 20. And I want you to pay particular attention to Paul's theme regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. But just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And this passage of Scripture really captured my attention, and I think in many ways was played out um, in, in living color, if I might say, over these last few weeks um, on the continent of Africa. You see how Paul begins and says that, that, that he is praying for these people, the Colossian believers, and what it was it that actually brought him to pray? What was it that actually brought him to, to uh, take them before the Lord? It's, it's this, this, this triad, this, this faith, hope, and love we see throughout the New Testament. Because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a love for all the saints. And then he says, 
And the reason that those things, the reason that you have love for the saints, kind of like sandwiched in there, is because you have this incredible hope that is in heaven. And I think that's a very vivid picture, isn't it? You have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which gives you love for all the saints, which gives you a hope in heaven. And because you have a hope in heaven, you have love for all the saints and you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just this, that all of the three things kind of fit together nicely. They have hope. Without that hope, there wouldn't be a change. Without that hope, there would be what, what we see taking place in Colossae and what we see taking place around the world would not, in fact, be visible to us. But the question is, how is it that they got to this hope? How is it that they could say they have, or he could say they have a hope laid up for you in heaven? You've heard the question before, do you know for sure that if you were to die tonight that you'd be with God in heaven? Do you have a hope, not wishful thinking, but do you know for sure that at the moment you close your eyes in this life, you will open them in the presence of Almighty God, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in a place called heaven? Do you know for sure that if you were to die tonight, you'd be with God in heaven? And if you were to stand before God today and he would ask you, why would I let you into my heaven? What answer would you give? What would you say? They had hope that was laid up for them in heaven, not just wishful thinking, but a confident expectation in heaven. Why? And here's where he begins to branch into the wonderful truths of the gospel. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. It's been interesting to me to study this and to find how many times when the gospel is mentioned, it's not just called the gospel, it's not just called the gospel of truth, but it's called the gospel of the truth. The specific singular truth. The truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. This hope that they have is grounded in the truth of the gospel. This hope that they have is, is, uh, finds its origin in the word of the truth. And what's interesting is how he lays out this, the, the picture of the gospel, the characteristics of the gospel. He talks about its great power. You'll see, he says, it has come to you. The gospel in verse 6 has come to you as indeed in the whole world and is bearing fruit and increasing. What's amazing about the message of the truth, the message of the gospel, is that it is the message of the gospel that actually makes a difference. It's the message of the gospel that brings forth spiritual fruit. Everywhere the gospel goes, there is fruit. Praise the Lord. It is incredibly powerful. The Bible tells us that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. It is an incredibly powerful message because it's through the gospel that God chooses to give regenerative new birth, to, 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 give the, to, to cause people to be born again. It's, we've seen that in 1 Peter in our studies. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25. It is through the word of the truth that God regenerates the heart of dead sinners and enables them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of their sins. Such a powerful message. And one of the things that I saw, and you'll see in just a moment as we go through some of these pictures, is the fruit of the gospel in the, the country of Uganda. The fruit of the gospel. You, 
You know, I've told you many times, the work that began there back in 2014, particularly in northern Uganda in Kitgum, when the gospel was taken there and people believed. And I'm telling you, just listening again to the testimonies, thinking of Achan and Peter, they were saying, do you know, Pastor Joe, we were hopeless, helpless drunks. They were giving testimony. They said, we, 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 just, we would just sleep wherever we were, and we'd wake up the next day to try to find where there was more alcohol. He said, my kids were afraid of me. My wife was afraid of me. We were just hopeless, helpless, helpless, hopeless drunks until December 2014. And we heard the gospel, and it brought forth fruit. And now today, they love their wives. Their wives love them. Their children are happy. Their children are glad to, to have a dad who loves them. Just an amazing truth. The gospel is powerful. brings forth fruit. But then I, I love also the purpose of the gospel because he says this, verse 6, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world and is bearing fruit as it does also among you since the day you heard it. And I love this. And understood, comprehended, the grace of God in truth. Not just understood the grace of, of, of God in theory, <laughs> but understood, actually had a comprehension of how God's grace works. What is that? We know that God exchanges our unrighteousness for the righteousness of Christ, that God lays on him the sin of us all. That's the message, that God lays on Christ the sin of us all. God's, the, the gospel, the purpose of the gospel is to unveil to us this marvelous, wonderful truth of grace Someone said grace is what? God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's a beautiful purpose of the gospel. It's, it's powerful. It is, it is purposeful. And, and one of the things that you notice here is that this idea of understanding the grace of God in truth, it's not just something that you're zapped with that happens mystically or that happens through some dream or some revelation, some supposed vision, even though we hear people all over the world today saying that we don't really need, Romans 10 doesn't really mean anything today because God's giving dreams and visions and people are seeing a vision of Christ in their sleep and they're coming to faith. And that's, not, that's exactly opposite of what the Bible teaches. Here they had a minister of the gospel, Epaphras, brought to them. He was the one who continually ministered the gospel of, of Christ to them. And then you see uh, the produce of the gospel. What does it produce? He says this, verse 10, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You, you see what the gospel produces? It produces a life, a well-pleasing life, praise the Lord. A life that is honoring to God, a life that, that, that centralizes on the glory of God. That was the whole purpose the apostle Paul had in writing the gospel to the Romans. Having 
concluded that magnificent doctrinal section. He concludes it at the end of chapter 11 and says what? To him be glory now and forever. Amen. The gospel is what causes a life to change and actually to live a life that's pleasing to God, to go from a life of enmity and opposition to God to a life that can be saved, living fully pleasing to Him. I, I, I love the power of the gospel, the purpose of the gospel, the product of the gospel, even what it provides. What does the gospel provide? Well, sufficiency, giving thanks to God the Father, verse 12, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has made you sufficient. <laughs> it, we are insufficient and inadequate. We are not enough. We are completely opposite. But in Christ, in the message of the gospel, when we believe on it, he makes us adequate. He makes us sufficient. More than enough qualifies us to actually be saints and to be partakers of the, the inheritance of the saints. And not only that, he gives us salvation, right? Delivers you from the domain of darkness and, and into the kingdom of the son of his love and security. He, he gives us redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the, the absolute dismissal of our sin forever. And that word redemption is so significant. As the idea, you know, of, of the slave market and someone going to the slave market and purchasing a slave, but not just purchasing a slave, purchasing their freedom, but not just purchasing their freedom, actually making them part of the family. And that's what the gospel does. There's great power to the gospel. There's this amazing purpose to help us comprehend something of the grace of God. It, 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 it produces this life as it continually increases, this life of, of being fully pleasing to Him and provides for us sufficiency and, and salvation and security. But what this, the, the whole letter really zeroes in on is the superiority of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's what Paul finishes with on, in the person of the gospel. He, verse 15, he, and that, now he's just so Christocentric here. He's just hammering away on Christ. He is the visible image of the invisible God. In him, he says later, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Not only that, but he is the one who is the, he is, he is the firstborn of all creation. He's the reason that creation was created He's not created. He is the creator. He's the creator of things seen and unseen. He's the creator of, of physical things and spiritual things. He's the creator of angels. And, and being their creator, he's the head of them. He's over them. He, he doesn't seek anyone or anything's permission. He just is sovereign. He is supreme. He is superior. Well, you can just see, he goes on there to describe that Christ is the head of the body. And you see what's happening. You see Paul presenting this wonderful, marvelous, glorious truth of the gospel. It's power and it's purpose and it's, it's produce, it's provision and, and the person of 
of the gospel. And what I saw these last few weeks was this in living color. And sometimes we may forget. You might feel like, oh, I got to go to Uganda or I've got to go to some other place in order to see this lived out. But the reality is, friends, this is exactly what has happened and is continuing to happen right here. Not just in this place, but in our hearts. And that message, God is using that message to, he is trumpeting forth that message to various places in the world and he's doing it all, all again. So, um, I, I only intended to read the text, but you know. <laughs> um, let me tell you a little bit about Uganda, all right? Um, it's a place where I don't, I don't remember the first time I went to Uganda, but um, back in the early 2000s. And just began to have a place in my heart. You know how the story of the start of SGM and all those things that have gone on. Uh, our team went there. You can see on the picture there our team. Um, that's Henry Johnson. Some of you, I know Dale and Pauline, you guys know him. And you know Henry Johnson. Used to be, a, I guess, a, an associate pastor at the Gospel Center maybe. And then he pastored at Calvary Bible Church in Hanover for a number of years. He's now up near Williamsport. And he has a ministry called Aaron's Palm, which basically is doing the same thing that SGM is doing. Uh, but Henry was glad to join us. We were glad to have him, myself, and then Lance Fessler. You know Lance. Uh, Lance uh, is the international trading coordinator for, coordinator for SGM. Guy taking the picture is James Sanoga. He's been our driver. Standing behind, beside Lance is Jimmy Taban. And then Richard Otembi is beside him. He's another driver, and then Pastor James O'War. By the way, Jimmy and James both are pastors of Calvary Bible Church. Calvary Bible Church in Boyali. Calvary Bible Church, which is the very, that's the newest Calvary Bible Church in Sirba, uh, Uganda. James just texted me before the service and said, praise the Lord, we baptized eight new converts today. So uh, the Lord is doing some great work there. Uh, that was essentially our, our team. All right, Nathan, you can go to the next slide. Unfortunately, these slides don't, they're somewhat organized, but I'll just tell you a little bit about them, and hopefully that will help us work through uh, the trip. This would be the common site. Uh, this is a common road for us. Uh, there are, praise the Lord, some paved roads, but most of them are dirt roads or stone roads. Uh, and uh, just be prepared to ingest a whole lot of dust through your sinus cavity because that's what it is really like the whole time, just dust everywhere. But what was amazing about this trip is how incredibly easy it was. It, there just weren't any difficulties. Uh, we had one day where we were making a trip. It was about a nine-hour trip from, from Kitgum over to a place called Koboko on the border with South Sudan and... Um, Congo. And the roads were just terrible. And all of a sudden, the car, the wheels uh, on the back just locked up, just completely locked up. Turns out that it was a wheel bearing. And we were in the middle of nowhere. Thankfully, we were in a town. We had just come through the national park. 
So we were in a town by now, and that was good, but we had no idea what to do, and it was on a Sunday. We were listening. I think you were preaching uh, that morning, to live as Christ, to die as gain, and uh, we're just like, what do, what do we do? We're still three, four hours away, three hours away from where we need to get to, and just ask God to provide for us. The driver decided to get into the car and just try it again, and for some amazing reason, the wheels were not locked up anymore, and we made it the rest of the way. Still had to get new wheel bearings, but, you know, that was just a, a tremendous blessing uh, from the Lord. But as I said, very, very easy trip. We began on the way to, next slide, Winnie Otema. Uh, most of you know Winnie. We always try to visit her. This is her home just north of Entebbe, north of Kampala, on the way to Boyali. And uh, she invited us in. Next slide. Uh, eating was a theme of the trip. I, I now believe I'm the only one who can go to Africa and gain weight. And I did exercise my spiritual gift quite a bit of eating. Winnie prepared for us a wonderful meal. You can go to the next slide. And then whenever I'm there, we always try to bring everybody together for some uh, family devotions. And uh, this is probably now by, it's probably coming to about eight or nine o'clock at night. And uh, we're finishing up and having family devotions. And then we went on to a, a, a hotel. Uh, the rest of us went on to a hotel and we're getting ready to make an early morning start the next morning. Next slide. Um, on our way to Boyali, uh, you can't stop. You can't fail to stop and buy some pineapples. So uh, you see there, there's a bunch of pineapples, five of them. It was about $1.50 for all five. So I bought 20. And, <laughs> and then some bananas too. And uh, yeah, they love to see when the Mazungus come for sure. Anyway, uh, the reason we do that is because the further north you get, the, the, there are just not many, so they're appreciative that when we take uh, pineapples with us. So that was on the way up. Next slide. Uh, we, arrived in, um, we arrived in Boyali. I'll show you a little bit about the um, Otema Center in a little bit. But this is uh, the first Sunday. So we stopped first in Boyali, then went directly to Kitgum. So that was, I don't know, eight or nine hours trip, eight hours at least, um, to uh, Kitgum. Arrived there, got settled in. We did stay in a hotel, which was amazing. We had water the entire time, electricity the entire time. It was really an unusual blessing. We're thankful for it. Next morning, got up early, and Henry did a radio program. You'll see a picture of him in just a moment. And then the rest of us went to Calvary Bible Church Kitgum. Uh, that has a main branch and then three branch churches. Um, this one is Balakwah, and we're just meeting under the pine trees. Next slide, which I think is a video. This is a worship time. This, uh, this is the youth choir. You see in the back there, they're preparing lunch for us. So uh, Patrick there in the blue, he's the pastor of that church uh, in Balakwah. As I said, there's a main branch, Kitgum, and then uh, there's Ajumani, there's Degopan, and there's Balakwah. So uh, I don't know how many 
few hundred believers uh, where there was initially none. And so we're really thankful. All right, next slide. Um, we began the week in training. Uh, this time we went back to, so this is inside Calvary Bible Church, the main. We uh, invite all of our SGM students to come. And this time we were doing New Testament Survey 2. So we had done one that was would be the... Uh, intertestamental period, and then the four Gospels, and then this one was from Acts through Revelation. And so uh, Lance was teaching. Um, you see the maps behind us. Uh, Ed did those maps for us, and they're very helpful in teaching. And uh, basically um, what we'll do is we still teach in English and then have it translated into Luo. So uh, that's what we're doing there. Um, go ahead, next slide. There are some ladies who join us, and uh, we have not asked them to not participate, uh, but we want them to hear the training and the teaching as well so they can be well prepared and understanding why we would teach that, that women are not to be pastors and, and that. This, little, this lady is named Susan. She uh, is the mother of baby pastor Mike. Mike has a, a namesake there. Uh, that is Susan is the wife of Patrick uh, from Balakwa. And uh, she's faithful, faithful servant. You can see, next slide, you can see that, uh, uh, go back to the other slide, sorry. Uh, you can see that she has a notebook there. And then uh, we were able to provide all of the students with MacArthur Study Bibles. So uh, the folks at Grace to You made these available to us at no charge and was a tremendous, tremendous blessing to these folks. And uh, they're getting to use them. All right, go to the next slide. As I mentioned, we have opportunity to be on radio. We, were, we did two weeks in Kitgum uh, on the radio and then one week in Boyali. Lance is here on Boyali, uh, well, in a place called uh, Kiriandongo, which has a, quite a reach, and he preached on the new birth in John chapter 3. And uh, we're still getting messages from people who've been calling in about that sermon that he preached, and it uh, was just a great, great blessing. All right, next slide. As I said, eating was a was a theme. Next slide. (laughs) Those are all the MacArthur study Bibles we were able to bring. Just a tremendous blessing. By the way, some of you helped in great ways by just giving extra so that we could take extra weight. It costs about $150 to take an extra suitcase. And I don't know how many extra suitcases we had, but we had a lot. Uh, And we were able to pay for everything. And you should have seen just the rejoicing that took place when these folks received the, these uh, MacArthur Study Bibles and, and the training and equipping on how to, how to use them. Okay, next slide. Just to show you that I did actually teach a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a blessing. I mean, first of all, as I said, the, the, the trip was really easy. Weather was so perfect. Uh, you know, it, it was, we didn't have 100 degree, degree days uh, it was fairly cool most of the time. And these these students just came, they came early. One of the things that we noticed was uh, they were there before we would get there. We would go, we would leave the village and go to the hotel and then come back in the morning. And you'd see everybody gathered around still working on their homework early in the morning. They would sit there for seven hours a day through the training, working through everything from Acts to Revelation doing homework, doing uh, small group work, 
And you didn't see people falling asleep. You didn't see people, you, you, you saw them really, really engaged. And uh, Lance had said when he was grading the final exam, each class there'll be a final exam. And he said that this was the, great, the uh, highest scores that he's ever seen uh, in Africa. Well, I guess in Mexico as well um, on the final exam. So the students really did well and took things in, took things very seriously. Just to give you an idea of some of the things that they go through, um, the pastor of that church of Kitgum, uh, Calvary Bible Church Kitgum, uh, Pastor Francis, got called away because his young son contracted typhoid. And uh, normally, uh, typhoid is a very serious thing, especially for young kids. And I don't know what the fatality rate is, but it's a high fatality rate. And so he was taken away for a full day, maybe a day and a half. And uh, yet he was back the next, you know, the following morning, uh, prepared for uh, the final exam and sat through it. Praise the Lord, God delivered uh, his son and they were able to get the right medicine. Uh, so somebody, somebody here helped with that uh, to get the medicine that was needed. And uh, that was a really good grace and kind to them. Okay, next slide. So this is uh, the tool that SGM has developed called the Bible Background Study Tool. Basically, uh, our goal was in New Testament survey was that each student will be able to have uh, 23 of these completed for each book of the Bible, which basically just goes through and makes, uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is the Bible Passage Study Tool, but there's the, the Bible Background Study Tool I'm talking about just basically goes through and makes initial observations about some of the background of, of each book, uh, takes them through uh, an outline so they can kind of make notes on each way. And then what we ask them to do is to get a, a passage because the whole idea is to teach people to study, believe, and preach uh, the Bible. And so this uh, Bible passage, this one was uh, from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, just leading them through making observations, interpretations, and then uh, applications. So that's just one of the students. You can see them making uh, vigorous, rigorous notes. All right, next slide. <coughs> yeah, just there's no tables there. Their laps are their tables. So they have two Bibles, usually one in Lua, one in English, and their notebook. And they just work together to make sure that they're, they're, they're helping one another. Uh, that's one of the things I really love, particularly about this group, is how they're, they're sure not to let anybody sort of lag behind. Now, there's some older guys who are in the, in the um, classes that really, they, they can speak English somewhat, but they can't read. And so their exams really reflect that. But they keep coming and they keep working and we're happy to have them. And the younger students really help them uh, quite a bit. Next slide. This is Morris. Morris is one of the elders of the church. And uh, he was helping us uh, take notes. I think as Lance was teaching, he was writing down so that the students could see what was happening in the, where they're supposed to be writing um, just amazing what has happened over the years because, you know, they went from not understanding what it means to, what, a, what, a, what observation is, what interpretation is. They had no understanding of an outline, and now they're able to keep really, really good, good notes. And this is a tremendously thoughtful bunch of people. Uh, next slide. 
working together. One of the guys, the very last day, you have to remember that most of these people have been incredibly influenced by the Pentecostal movement, charismatic movement, and um, negatively influenced by that. And just the teaching that is brought to them has been so, it's just so, it changes their entire worldview. And one of the guys said to us at the end, we really need help. We don't really honestly know how to worship God. Can you teach us? And that was just, when, when that question was, answer, was asked, man, our hearts just lit on fire because, you know, to them, uh, they just would syncretize. They would bring together African traditions, village traditions, and Christianity and call it Christianity. And now they're finally beginning to see the truth and they're finally beginning to understand as the message just continues to bear fruit, the gospel continues to bear fruit. And now they're even asking questions like that, which 10 years ago would have been, uh, or, or five years ago would have been unimaginable. Um, yeah, they're just working together there, uh, probably doing their homework before the class started. Okay, next slide. There we are. We finished in Kitgum, and we always try and take a picture afterwards. Everybody's happy and rejoicing. Okay, next slide. We, now this one is out of place, but this is actually at the Otama Center. Uh, this is our driver, James Sonoga, and then that's Doreen. Uh, some of you had given clothing to be able to help Doreen. Um, Doreen is 24 years old. She has a 14-year-old son. Uh, 26-year-old, she has a 14-year-old son. She was sold off into marriage at a young age, about 11 or 12. And then her husband, who she married, uh, died. And she was left alone with, to, to give birth to and raise her son. Uh, her parents both had died as well. She, she just fended for herself. Finally arriving in Boyali, found, uh, was looking for a church to, to find Find a church, found Calvary Bible Church, found Pastor Jimmy. Jimmy and Jessica adopted her as, her own, as their own, gave her a place to stay, and now she's, uh, she's really, really thriving. So we've been taking those clothes over to allow her to have something to sell so that she could make a living for herself. Just decided um, last week that she's going to go and begin school uh, down at Glory Bound Ministries with Winnie. So she's really, really excited about that. Okay, next slide. This is back in Kitgum. There's Lance. You can keep going. Calvary Bible Church in Boyali. This is the church Pastor Jimmy had been leading. Remember all of the, the terrible things that happened. Uh, he had received death threats if he didn't stop preaching the gospel, if he didn't return to Pentecostal doctrine. And he said no. Well, uh, he decided to leave and a, a group of people followed him and others came. And this is now Calvary Bible Church. They meet in that little, a little room there. Uh, there is no place for people. It's just packed out, about 30 people. I listened to uh, Pastor Jimmy's son, Roy, preach for about 50 minutes from Colossians chapter 4, a very clear expository sermon. So we're really rejoicing in what the Lord's doing there. Okay, next. We also went to a place called Maracha or Caboco. Stayed in Caboco, went to Maracha for a conference with Congolese pastors as well as Ugandan pastors. We were right on the border. We were able to look into Congo and just see the possibilities there. I don't know if you can see 
This book, I uh, apologize for the quality of the photo, but that book was, is by Conrad and Bayway on God's design for the African church. We're using this everywhere we go, and the Crossway Publishers made it available to us. And uh, we did this conference for two or three days uh, just trying to help these pastors, these church leaders to understand uh, God's design for the church. Again, it's just a tremendous worldview shift. You've got people who are calling themselves apostles and bishops and just, just absolute nonsense. And, and what's amazing is most of them know that it's nonsense, but they can't figure out a way out. <laughs> and so when they hear the truth being brought to them, they're just, so, they're just rejoicing so much. Pray for these folks. Not really sure if it's good for us to go back there again and do another conference. We'll, I'm sure we'll decide that soon but at the very least, hopefully bring some of them out to the Otema Center for um, training. All right, next. There's the uh, folks sitting just learning, and uh, this again is in Maracha. Okay, next. Is that it? Okay, you want to go to the next one. I uh, didn't have a whole lot there, or else they didn't move it over, of what took place in Boyali at the Otema Pastoral Training Center. That place is absolutely beautiful. It's not quite finished yet. We still, well, for one, we, we paid for water, uh, but for some reason, they've decided that the water is, it's just not there yet. And so we're still trying to work around that. We need to get the electricity in, a few other things. But this place was tremendously conducive to uh, training. One of the things we were afraid of is that um, so many people had heard about what had gone down with Pastor Jimmy, and so many rumors had been spread around that, uh, that SGM brings false doctrine, and just terrible, terrible rumors started that we thought when we got to Boyali for that training that maybe nobody would show up. And we were so surprised to find standing room only. Uh, we had every seat plus some filled uh, with students again, these, these folks had come and they were serious about hearing and serious about learning. Let me pause there and take you to this. I went to uh, preach that Sunday at Boyali PCU Church. It's a Pentecostal church in Uganda. It's the very first place that hosted us when we brought the teaching. Again, you say, well, why would you go there? Well, because they invited us and didn't put any strings on us. We just had the opportunity to bring the truth. And that's what we did. Well, I wanted to go to this church to visit them because their pastor had just suddenly died and wanted to be able to uh, greet them. And when I went there, I, I didn't recognize the place. I didn't recognize the people. Gone were the deliverance banners. Gone were the today is your day for healing. Gone was the jumping and the shouting and all of those kind of things. It was, I preached for 70 minutes and not one person, I don't know, 150 people, not one person fell asleep. Uh, folks were engaged the entire time. And the, the place was packed out. I said, why are so many people come? They said they wanted to come and hear for themselves this false teaching that they've been hearing about. <laughs> they wanted to judge for themselves. And they said, if that's false teaching, we've never heard the truth because that's exactly what the Bible is teaching. And these folks were just rejoicing. Same thing happened in the Otema Center. After, as we're coming to a close and bringing the training to a close, one of the guys asked this question. He said this, if we all continue to follow this teaching, if we follow this on out, 
we are all going to get kicked out from the church, the Pentecostal church. We're all going to get persecuted. Where will you be when that happens? In other words, they're asking, will you still back us up? Will you provide for us a, a, a place and a people, an organization to sort of help us along as we continue in this truth? Just so amazing to understand that these guys understand the, um, the gravity of, of the truth. We, as I said, we allowed some women to come um, even though we teach women are not to be pastors. I just got a text message yesterday from one of the ladies, and she said, Pastor Joe, this teaching is so amazing. I've never heard anything like it before. I want you to know it's changing my life in a major, major way. Thank you. Please tell the church thank you. So I'm just coming to say thank you for what you've done. Thank you for making it possible. Thank you for supporting. I, I heard from Mike and Roy, uh, just great support for me personally to be able to go and uh, what, on what was a very expensive trip. And yet, I, I don't know that we can really measure the impact that these last three weeks will have or has had uh, for the cause of Christ and, and onto eternity. I want to ask you to continue to be praying for SGM, continue to pray for Uganda. There are so many opportunities, so many great needs. Uh, we're hoping that we can do just consistent training there uh, on, a, on a yearly basis, up to three, maybe even more times a year, which is going to need support. It's going to need people to go. And so continue to pray for willing laborers. Continue to pray for provision that that would be, uh, that, that we could be able to go. Continue to pray for those pastors, those church leaders who are hearing the truth, and it's really hitting them in their heart, and they're wanting to make a, a difference in, in their world and uh, where they're at. I would su- suppose, you know, just like Paul said to the, to the Ephesian elders in Miletus in the book of Acts uh, 19 and 20, uh, you know, after my departure, savage wolves are going to come. And I would imagine that if that's taking place, it's probably, if that's going to take place, it probably already has uh, amongst that group there. And so be praying for them as they uh, continue to hear uh, the gospel. There's one video that didn't fit into the, to the slide. This was uh, taken from the, the Kitgum conference. Uh, I just thought it was unique and thought maybe you would like to see how do we go about doing a conference? Uh, you know, we're going to feed 50 or 60 people every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. How's that happen? Uh, this is it. That's me. Some of you might be wondering, uh, what does it look like to do a... Uh, uh, a conference here with Spread of Grace in, in rural Africa. We're in the, uh, the village of uh, Lagoro. Yeah, this is Lagoro. And so what we do is the kitchen department. Of course, there's Francis Achan. He's, the, uh, he's, he's saying he's the department head. But, uh, you know, we have the, the dishes that we're using here. They're all cleaned and ready to go. And then we have... The potatoes there ready to go. But then over here, we got uh, cooking <laughs> the chicken. And that is the whole chicken. Uh-huh. And there's the liver Everything. and the hearts. That's good. Head, yeah, That's all. That's going to be very good. Feathers. And here we have what? Beef. Uh-huh. The beef is cooking there. And then over here, the beans. 
And the beans are there. And then this one is going to be for posho, I think. Posho or no? Yeah, that will be for posho. That's the uh, that's the cornmeal. So, yeah, this is what it looks like. This is the uh, kitchen department here. You can see everything going on behind me. And then the house here is being used, although this is going to be a pa the pastor's house. This is going to be is used for the kitchen right now. And so, yeah, this is what's happening. That's what it's like when we have, uh, we have to feed maybe 50 people every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Okay. You can take that mug shot off. There we go. <laughs> anyway, I just thought you might be interested in seeing what, uh, you know, how things happen, how things go on uh, when we're there. Uh, be praying for the folks there, and uh, thanks again for your support. Do you have any questions that I could ask? A question, John?